Hey, Helicopter Podcast listeners, this is John Gray from the Hangar Z Podcast. I want to let you all know Vertical Fowler's Spring 2024 issue is now available. In our Spring 2024 issue, we head over to Leon County for a look at how law enforcement agencies in Northern Florida are combining forces to enhance crime fighting. We also visit Metro Aviation in Shreveport, Louisiana to learn about the work behind installing a Metro interior in an Airbus helicopter. We connect with the experts in the search and rescue sector for an update on the latest trends, training, and tools using helicopter rescue missions. And finally, we catch up with the Los Angeles Police Department's Aviation Unit for a look at its training programs. All this, plus highlights of some new products and services that made their debuts at Heli Expo 2024. To check out the latest issue of Vertical Valor, go to verticalvalor.com and scroll to the bottom of the page to find magazines. Enjoy. guys well on today's episode i'm doing another podcast short with just me talking and what i talk about today is my thoughts and opinions on robinson helicopters and maybe after you listen to this episode you might not like me anymore or you might still like me i don't know but i do feel like robinson helicopters specifically are very polarizing in our industry doesn't really seem to be a middle ground you either like them or you hate them and the hate is pretty darn strong. So I figured I would chat about it. This podcast is strictly based off my experience with Robinson Helicopters. Uh, flying them, operating them, selling them. Uh, I just give my feedback. It's just my thoughts. So um, I, I think it's pretty good. But, you know, who knows? But I talk about uh, my experience. I talk about why I believe maybe the accident rates are a little bit higher. And then I finish off by giving my advice on when you're looking at a flight school, if you should consider aircraft other than Robinson. So I hope you enjoy the episode. I certainly enjoyed recording it. Here we go. As always, a special thanks to Stellicopter for producing this podcast. Specializing in helicopter evaluations, faster sales, and superb service, Stellicopter is the go-to agency for clients expecting immediate results. Helicopter's team of helicopter professionals are the best in the business. Using their aviation expertise, a nationwide network, and a proprietary 76-step listing strategy, Helicopter will convert your listing from Mayday to Payday. Ready to get started? Text HELICOPTER to 1-855-SELICOPTER. That's HELICOPTER to 1-855-735-5226. And a Helicopter pilot agent will reach out. Helicopter, List it, sell it, done. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Halsey Shredder with the Helicopter Podcast. And I'm just going to bless you again today with my voice only. Uh, as I mentioned in the last uh, short, uh, I was wanting to do more uh, just podcasts like this where I feel like I want to talk about something and I talk about it. And I will continue to, of course, interview all the amazing guests uh, that we're having and hopefully continue to get more guests. 
and we'll do panel discussions, all the above. But uh, I'll continue to do these every once in a while just because, you know, I, I like talking. And, you know, I feel like I have some stuff to say about uh, helicopters. So today I wanted to talk about Robinson helicopters, um, kind of my experience with Robinson helicopters, talk about kind of the overall industry view of Robinson helicopters, talk about, you know, if you're looking at training and you're thinking about getting into helicopter flight training, you know, and you're looking at a school with a Robinson fleet or a Cabri fleet or even a Schweitzer fleet, you know, what you may want to consider and things like that. So I will preference this uh, conversation today by saying that I'm not going to be spitting out any facts. Um, I This is just information that I've just kind of put together um, in my, you know, 14, 15 years of being involved in helicopters, selling a lot of Robinson helicopters, and, you know, having a fair amount of flight time in Robinson helicopters. So, this, you know, this... This is uh, my feelings of Robinson, uh, my feelings on my experience in flying them. And, yeah, we'll just go from there. You know, this might be, uh, you know, people may agree or disagree with some of the things that I say, but, hey, that's the world, and that's okay. So my background uh, with Robinson Helicopters is uh, that's the platform that I learned to to fly in, primarily the R-22. I went to Hillsborough. Started uh, 2008 time frame. And at that time, I don't think there was any other aircraft or any other. Uh, there wasn't any 44s. I'll put it to you that way. It was primarily all Robinson R22s, Betas, and Beta 2s, and one Schweitzer. Uh, and I'll make sure I talk about the Schweitzer uh, in this conversation today as well. But uh, a lot of R22s at Hillsboro. Um, and then as I started flight instructing and working my way up to like the assistant chief role there, then at that time, Hillsborough did end up acquiring uh, a couple R44s. And I was uh, fortunate enough to have them transition me into the 44. And I ended up, you know, getting a considerable amount of instruction time, uh, or I should say, as the instructor in the R44. And then uh, I've just done a lot of 44 flying after that, doing tours, survey, animal capture. I did it, not very much, but uh, I did do it down in South Texas. So I have a a fair amount of Robinson helicopter time. I was also super fortunate the last like two or three years of my time at Hillsborough Aviation. I was one of two or three instructors that were uh, focused on the CFI training. And so a big part of the CFI training was full down auto rotations. So I was very lucky. And then the fact that, you know, for two, three years, I was exclusively just doing full downs specifically in R22s. And I got to say, I was getting pretty good at them. Um, don't know if I could do it today or not. It's been a long time since I've flown an R22, but you know, you never know. Uh, First and foremost, one of the things that I love about the Robinson helicopter, being a civilian trained guy, is just the affordability. Um, You know, Frank Robinson set out to create a lightweight, uh, cost-effective helicopter. 
and I truly believe that he, you know, hit the mark with the R22. I don't really know exactly what was happening for civilian flight training prior to Robinson helicopters. Uh, but I do know that a lot of the training at that time was either expensive because, you know, you're having to do it in a, a bigger, more expensive helicopter. Or probably a lot of the guys were just military guys, you know, uh, had a military career and then transitioned over to the civilian side. So I think that Robinson Helicopters, first and foremost, really opened up the industry to civilian trained helicopter pilots. And I think that's fine. I think that's good. I think that puts more pilots uh, into the mix. Not everybody wants to go into the military. Not everyone can qualify for the military, specifically in the flight portion, uh, whereas you could qualify uh, as a civilian. So first and foremost, I have a lot of love for the Robinson helicopter just because of that. It was the, it was the helicopter that I could afford to learn in, uh, zero to hero, you know, all the way from private to uh, flight instructor. So I like it for that. Flying the R-22 uh, for a long time, for, geez, almost five years uh, since I instructed for a while uh, post-training, you know, it was kind of the only helicopter that I knew. I had a little bit of stick time here and there and other airframes and eventually got some more stick time and say the Schweitzer. But uh, primarily, all my flight time for a very long time was R-22 specific. And at that time in my career and in my life, I really enjoyed the Robinson R-22. I know that uh, there's a lot of Robinson hate, uh, and maybe some of it's warranted. Uh, the Robinson helicopter is an underslung, low-inertia helicopter, giving you uh, you know, the ability to mass bump in low G, and obviously having RPMs that can go up really fast, but I guess even more scary, RPMs that can decay very fast and put you into a low RPM blade stall. So, you know, I understand that they present a little bit of an extra risk. And if you're used to flying larger helicopters or you came from the military, it's almost hard to fathom, you know, flying an R-22. It's, it's a helicopter, so to me it's complex. But generally speaking, it's pretty rudimentary. No hydraulics limited systems, pretty straightforward, uh, but it's really a, a fun aircraft to fly. And I always kind of tell people that if you can fly an R-22, I'm convinced that you could almost fly any helicopter. The 22 is squirrely, it's sensitive, little movements go a long way, and uh, you have to really learn to understand aerodynamics and aerodynamic hazards when you're flying in the Robinson. Um, so I, I like it from that aspect. I think training in it was uh, really beneficial for me. And then providing instruction in it, uh, I think that I became a, a better pilot, better stick skills, and just a better understanding of using what you have. And, you know, I, one of the things that I tell helicopter pilots that are just getting into it is that every helicopter is going to be limited somehow. 
uh, there's always the talk about, you know, the R22 or the R44 is powerless or gutless or whatever the case may be. And there's a lot of truth to that. I would be flying with students and, you know, we were right on the, you know, max power line, uh, you know, during our takeoff or coming in uh, for landing. And I like that because it really taught you to stay within the limitations of a helicopter and make sure that you were taking off in the right direction. You had favorable wind for landing, you know, just getting the full scope you know, flying the helicopter is one thing, but I think what truly makes a good pilot, not just helicopter pilot, but any pilot, is having an, a sight picture where you can kind of see and feel things before they ever happen. And I think the 22, R44 as well, is good at is teaching you that because the limits come faster uh, in those airframes. Well, fast forward, flying tours in the H-130 or flying air medical in the 407, what I learned is that those aircraft had incredible power when I was by myself or uh, light on crew or light passenger, whatever it may be. But by and large, when I was flying tours, we would pack them full with passengers. We would be flying in the Mojave Desert where it's, you know, 100 plus degrees. Performance is highly degraded just because of the heat. Uh, not to mention, you know, you're at max gross weight. So... It's not like you're just a rocket ship, right? You know, here I am in a big helicopter, but I'm having to go back to my toolbox that I learned from the R22 of power management, you know, uh, eking forward, you know, uh, to, to get through ETL, uh, to, to, get, to get the helicopter airborne, you know, understanding where the winds are coming from when you're coming in on your approach uh, and just knowing the limit. And I think that the R-22 did a good job and really helped me for that scenario. There was times when I'd be flying air medical and we would get a call. In fact, I didn't just fly air medical in the 407. I flew it in a 206 as well, a long ranger. And it would be a hot Texas summer day and we'd be landing, you know, five minutes away from our base, nearly a full bag of gas, hot temperatures, picking up a fairly large patient and kind of having to eke out of the spot, uh, just like I had so many times done before in the R-22, uh, just in normal training. So, you know, if you're learning how to fly right now and you're in the R-22 and you're like, man, I just want to fly something with more power, well, you'll get there. But when you get there, you'll find that typically the more power you have, the operator and the company that you're working for is just going to throw in more payload. And you're going to then hit limits. And those limits are going to feel just as real and actually, in fact, have more consequence than the R-22 or the R-44 would have. You know, if you're in a turbine aircraft, the red line on your TOT or MGT or your torque really means something. Whereas we all kind of know with the manifold pressure in the R-22, R-44, you can cross the line, right? You can go past the red line. Eventually, you might get a droop or degraded performance, but it's you know not like you're going to cause potentially hundreds of thousands of dollars of damage. So I like the Robinson helicopter for that. Where I think Robinson um, gets a bad name is I think that when you create an aircraft 
that is suited for cost, uh, affordability, then, you know, it's an entry-level aircraft. And specifically now being an aircraft or helicopter-specific sales for nearly six years, a lot of helicopter buyers, first-time buyers, uh, are interested specifically in the R44. It's a fantastic platform. Um, if you know, if I were to buy a helicopter today, in my current financial situation, the 44 would make most sense. And because of that, you get uh, guys and gals that are lower time inexperienced pilots. You get guys and gals that are potentially very successful in their non-flying life, business owners, doctors, lawyers, uh, individuals that are not, so to speak, professional pilots. And don't get me wrong, I've flown with a lot of uh, helicopter owners that really respect the helicopter and get it. Uh, But on the same time, I've also flown with owners that do kind of scare me a little bit. And I think, unfortunately, there is probably a lot of R44, R22, R66 owners out there that maybe have good intentions but don't fully understand the seriousness um, of some of the limitations of the Robinson, whether it's a low-G mass bump, um, whether it's a rotor decay situation, you know, whatever it may be, they just may not be familiar. Uh, or they may not understand it. Maybe they were the student that just really wanted to get their license and, you know, they're not doing any training outside of that. And they get themselves in a situation which they're unable to get out of just because you hit those limits uh, in the Robinson aircraft a little bit quicker than you may in, in other aircraft. You know, I know specifically for the R66, there's been some uh, low G accidents where, you know, the mass is essentially, uh, you know, struck and there's blade separation and it's usually ends in a catastrophic accident. And I think what they've been finding is, you know, individuals, private owners leaving the autopilot on, pulling max continuous power uh, in turbulent conditions. So now you have an autopilot that's porpoising and trying to correct for holding altitude and you know, before you know it, the you, you cut off your mass. And so I think that my opinion, and again, I'm like I said in the beginning of the episode, I'm, I haven't looked up facts, you know, uh, recently at least. I, I don't know the statistics. But I do think that when you have an affordable helicopter that's available to so many people, you're going to have more accidents. Uh, in my experience of flying Robinson aircraft, I was always with a, a really competent flight instructor, or I was the competent flight instructor that really understood the aircraft. For me, the R-22 almost became like an extension, like I was wearing a pair of pants. Uh, I don't know who told who told me that one time, but it's it stuck with me because they said like, oh man, when I fly the helicopter, it's like, man, I just putting on a pair of pants one leg at a time and it's like just becomes an extension of my body. And that's how the R-22 and the R-44, you know, uh, came to me. So I think that's part of it. You know, it's like when you're not doing this as a career and you're not focused on, 
you know, 100% helicopters all the time, like someone like myself, then, you know, you could get yourself into trouble. And it's, again, I'm not, I'm probably making some generalizations here. Experienced pilots also ball up Robinson helicopters. And there's some really good lower time private owners. Uh, In fact, I know a lot of them and they're friends of mine and I would fly with them today. But I do believe that overall that does increase the accident rate and kind of help to the narrative that Robinson helicopters are scary and dangerous and things like that. So that's kind of my general sense on my experience with R22, R44, and just kind of my thoughts on why maybe they get a bad name. I think, again, some of it's warranted, but mm, I've always been kind of a guy like you look at a lot of the accident reports and there seems to be several decisions that led to a negative outcome. And that's not just for Robinson. That's for a lot of helicopters. So I'm a Robinson helicopter supporter. Uh, I may lose lose some listeners over that statement, but I I truly am. For me and my experience, I have nothing uh, except – Uh, respect and admiration for the aircraft and i think that that platform helped propel me to become a really proficient competent helicopter pilot after you get to move on in your career and start flying bigger uh airframes is it hard to go back to a 22 or a 44 i i i think it is you know given the choice today to go buzz around in a 407 or an a star you know, versus 22, what, what are you going to pick? I mean, it's kind of a no-brainer, right? So, you know, I love the Robinson. I'm not looking to spend a ton of time flying Robinson helicopters at this point in my helicopter career, but I'm thankful for where they got me. Uh, transitioning into kind of my final thought here before I uh, end this podcast is training. And I know that there's flight schools that offer different training options. Schweitzer Aircraft, uh, Instrum possibly. You know, Instrum's making a comeback right now. The Cabri uh, G2, uh, big operator in Oregon Precision that does a lot of the aircraft, uh, or I think all of their, most of their training. Again, I didn't research, but I think most of their training aircraft is the Cabri. Um, And... Of course, Robinson. And, you know, I, I do think that if you were to look at helicopter schools, by and large, Robinson helicopters uh, probably are the um, superior, overwhelming choice for a lot of owners, operators that are, are providing flight instruction. And so people ask me, hey, you know, I'm looking at the school, they have the Cabri or they have the Schweitzer. And what, what should I do? And Kind of the advice that I've always given people is I would recommend that you look at a school with Robinson helicopters. Uh, Not that flying the Cabri is no good or flying the Schweitzer or the Instrum is no good. I don't have any Cabri time, but I hear they're pretty cool. I got a couple hundred hours in the Schweitzer and I really enjoy flying it. And I have very minimal Instrum time. But for me, what it always comes down to is... Because of SFAR 73, and that's probably a whole podcast in itself, so I'm not going to dive too deep, I think it's beneficial to get most of your training in an R22 or an R44. 
because most of your first job opportunities, whether it's tours, survey, photo, flight, combination of whatever, most likely it could be in an R22, R44. And because of that, if you did all of your flight training in, say, a Schweitzer, then you're going to have to go and get additional paid hours just to meet the SFAR 73 requirements to act as the PIC in the R22 and the R44. And it also limits you as a flight instructor. The goal, obviously, for most people is to instruct where they train. And I was fortunate enough to have that happen for me. But I know it's not always the case. And so if you do all your training in a Schweitzer, but the majority of flight schools around the nation are operating Robinson, you're going to not only, again, have to pay for extra time just to meet the requirements, so now you're spending more money, but when the resumes hit that chief instructor's desk, what are they going to look at? They're going to look at, okay, well, this guy has just the bare minimum as far as 73 requirements versus, hey, this guy has 200 hours in the Robinson. And, you know, most likely they're probably going to take that guy who has more Robinson experience. So, uh, again, not knocking any school that operates other aircraft than Robinson. In fact, given the opportunity during your training, I would encourage you to try to get as much as possible stick time as you can. You know, it's anytime you can shake the stick of another helicopter, it's awesome. Um, so I recommend it, but I think for your initial career standpoint, I'm going to push always the Robinson just because of the SFAR 73 and just because how prevalent they are, not only with flight schools, but kind of those first helicopter commercial jobs. So that's what I've told people. I will continue to tell people that I'm saying it now on my podcast. So now it's very official. But that's just kind of my thought. So thank you for listening today. Uh, I have to say I enjoy rambling as I look. As I'm just sitting here in my office talking to myself. It's kind of weird. Um, but I'm thankful that people are listening to this. In fact, I'm continuing to get feedback every day, um, messages on social media, people reaching out, people wanting to be on. And that's super cool. Um, I love connecting. I love the industry uh, that we're in. I, I think it's just uh, an incredible industry, and I feel internally grateful to now be at a point in my helicopter life where some people uh, look to me as a mentor or ask me questions or whatever. So uh, always feel to f free to reach out on social media. You can reach out uh, on our Celicopter page. That's my business. Uh, or you can reach out to my personal profiles. Uh, I do have a Facebook, so you can look me up there, Halsey Scheider, or like I said, go ahead and like this, the Celicopter page. Celicopter is my sales brokerage and they're the primary sponsor of the podcast. So that's where we push a lot of the podcast content. Uh, also, please continue to like and subscribe to your uh, platform in which you listen to the podcast and make sure that you set up the reminders. So every Tuesday, when we push a new episode to the world, you get a reminder and you can give it a listen. So share it. Uh, please continue to reach out. And thank you so much for uh, supporting the Helicopter Podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's one-on-one -on -one with me.